How are you this morning? Hello, 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 hello. Hey. It's good to see you and it's good to have you hear me, which is excellent. Can you hear me? Although someone just said, I can't hear you, which means you heard me. Okay. What a great psalm that song is. A psalm of ascent. A psalm of walking. These are the psalms that we are in. We're in a series called the Psalms of Ascent. Um, And uh, we're the second week of this series, uh, but the first week was a fortnight ago. And every week of this series is going to be separated by a fortnight. So last week it was great because Rebecca introduced for us the whole concept of what these Psalms of Ascent, these pilgrim psalms, 15 psalms towards the end of the book of Psalms, Um, are all about and they are she explained to us the playlist for those who were on the annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem for one of the three feast days primarily for the feast of Passover some of us many of us are probably aware of the feast of Passover and uh, its significance and the reason why Jesus was in Jerusalem um, and arrested and crucified was because it was Passover and Jesus had made his way there But it wasn't the the only time Jesus had been to Jerusalem, you know. um, In Luke chapter 2, we are told that um, Jesus' Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, took him to Jerusalem every single year for the feast of the Passover. Every single year. And the the detail of the story, particularly in Luke chapter 2, is the fact that, well, after the the week-long celebrations had been over, Mary and Joseph began their trek home, but they weren't together and Mary thought Jesus was with Joseph and Joseph thought Jesus was with Mary and it turns out he wasn't with either of them, he had left him behind. Has anyone had that experience where your parents left you behind at church? No? Officers' kids? Pastors' kids? Yeah, come on. I know it was my experience and and I love the story because I kind of think Jesus should have been better at choosing his earthly parents. He could have done much better. Turns out my parenting isn't so bad after all. Quite happy with that to be the story but the the detail of that story is probably something we could dive into a little bit another time but for the for the today I wanted to think about this journey that Mary and Joseph took every year from Nazareth to Jerusalem now if today I was to to take this journey I looked up on Google the other day and it tells me to take the Yitzhak Rabin Highway Uh, it's about an hour and 45 minutes journey and 150 kilometers dead easy right Well, in Jesus' time, uh, Mary and Joseph had it much harder. Mary and Joseph would have left Nazareth uh, out of a little um, road, for whatever better word, around the bottom of Lake Galilee to the main road, which ran south along the west bank of the Jordan River. They joined the main road and they headed south. Total journey for them would have been five to six days depending on how fast little Jesus walked, right? Can you imagine that? Five days walking with kids? One of them might be the Son of God, but the others weren't. (laughs) Sorry, five days. So they come down, down the west bank of the Jordan River, and they get to Jericho, the city there. And at Jericho, they turn right. And, And at this point, right, they've come all the way, they've come 100 or so kilometers, and all the way along... People are joining them from the towns. People are joining onto the main road all along town. So by the time you get to Jericho, it's packed. There are people everywhere. Donkeys and kids and people and 
And then someone starts singing. No. They turn right at Jericho and they head uphill. Now, Jericho is situated 250 meters below sea level. Jerusalem is 750 meters above sea level. Now, this is a terrain that we in Australia don't quite understand. We can't right wrap our heads around it because the average, height, the average elevation across our entire continent is only about 300 meters. So uh, I took a photo, or I grabbed a photo of the escarpment behind our beautiful city. Did anyone look at this this morning? You should have seen this as you drove in this morning, yes? These are beautiful mountains. These are, the, the, generally the flat bits are about 300, 350 meters high. Mount Kembla is about 470 or something, and Mount Kira is about a bit lower than that, right? And we think that's pretty high. And if anyone ever walked up there from here? Yeah, it's a pretty heavy climb. Well, imagine starting 750 meters below sea level, walking up mountains to 750 meters above sea level. It's 1,000 meters of elevation. It's not an easy climb. I'm sure if you had an Apple Watch or something, it would calculate that in numbers of staircases that you'd walked, and it would be insane. So they did this, um, and it wasn't quite as lush and beautiful as this. What's the next picture show us? The Jericho Road. There you go. Whoa. Uh, that's a stretched out version. But it's 33 kilometers long, so you could probably stretch it out if you want. That's what the road looks like. That's nice down there, that's where Jericho is. And they walked up this hill, 30 kilometers worth of uphill from Jericho to Jerusalem. It was arid, desert like this. It was also, last week we heard the story of the Good Samaritan where Jesus taught this story and the setting for his story was this road, the Jericho Road. It was a well-known road and it was also well-known for bandits. I don't think at Passover time where there are thousands of people on the road walking up here, I don't think it was much of a problem with bandits. I think there were too many people around, but you get the picture. It's not a good road. It's not an easy road. So, here they are, the crowds, turn right at Jericho, heading uphill for 30 kilometers, back are sore, feet are throbbing. They don't have nice hiking boots like Rebecca brought in last time. They had sandals of some sort. Maybe socks with their sandals? No, no. Bible times, that didn't happen. But they walked uphill. It was a horrible, horrible walk. But it's something they did. And someone begins the chant with these words from Psalm 128, although they weren't Psalm 128 back then. They were just one of the playlists, right? They didn't quite have the numbers that we have for them for today. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And may you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. This psalm is a psalm of encouragement. As people needed to lift their eyes physically to see up the hills they had to climb, this psalm is intended to lift the spirits and to encourage those who walk. So this morning I simply want to take apart this psalm a little bit, to have a look at it verse by verse, or verse by couple verses, verse, whatever, you know. 
and see if we can mine some of the richness of how these verses were understood for those who trudged up the mountain. Verse number one, blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. Okay, so these words had a very concrete meaning for those people, right? For they were walking up that hill. They were God-fearing bunch of people. They were walking the epic pilgrimage because they were obedient to His command to celebrate the Passover. They literally were faithful followers walking in obedience to God. Now, of course, many of the commands that ruled the lives of the ancient Jews are not our commands. Even if the temple had not been destroyed about 70 years, well, 50 years after this, after Jesus was crucified, even if the temple had not been destroyed, it is unlikely that the Christians would join the Jews in an annual pilgrimage for the Passover. We don't celebrate it the same way. Jesus changed all of that. And, and on top of that, can you imagine trying to get two billion Christians from around the world into Jerusalem for one week? Logistical nightmare. I don't know heaven, how heaven's going to manage it, but not my problem. So, probably a good thing. But, so we don't have that command. But, the command to gather for worship, the command to respond to God, to take the time to remember what He has done for us, to celebrate His salvation, is still something we do as God-fearing believers, do we not? That's why we're all here. It is that command that we walk and follow. We get out of bed early, we drive past all the people sitting at cafes eating avo and toast, we drive past all the people riding their bikes or running along the path, which is probably, you know, driving past them is okay. We drive past all these people doing other things and instead we gather here because we are God-fearing and we walk in obedience to Him. So we come to verse 2. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Those walking up the hill from Jericho to Jerusalem says... This is, this is what it says to them, if you just keep walking up this hill, if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, it will be worth it. The reward will be yours and it will be valuable. It'll be a blessing to you. Uh, if you read the comment that I wrote in the, the messenger in the front of the newsletter or if you saw it on Facebook this week, you'll see that I really, really connected with this verse I related the story of when I was walking in, in Tasmania. We walked 19 kilometers in one day. And coming to the end of the day, it wasn't all that enjoyable, right? So on this day, it, the, the, the track went out and it came back along the same route. So as you're going out, it's great. You're seeing all the scenery, you're seeing these great cliffs and things that you pretend you're going to fall off so your wife freaks out. You, you do all these th great things. But coming back... Eh, I've seen it, sort of. It's still great. But then you get back and you come back past the hut that you'd spent that night in and then you're just trudging back along the path and all you want to do is get to your accommodation for the night, to get to the next hut. Has anyone been in that kind of situation where you're just like, oh, I've just got to get through this and I'll get there? Not for you. 
Let's talk about who carried what packs. So, have you ever had that experience where you just think, this is so, oh man, I've just got to get through this. Have you ever had that? If not, let me take you to Tasmania sometime. I got there though. I got there to my accommodation and I took off the pack, took off my shoes, my feet expanded immediately. They throbbed, my back ached, but I flopped into a deck chair, grabbed a coffee, and I, was, I whispered to myself, this is the life, you know? This is the life, doesn't matter. The blessing will be yours. If you just keep going, is what these verses tell us. And it's true not just for walking, but it's true in life, no matter what hills and valleys we face. Then we come to verse 3. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. By walking up this mountain, the Jews believe that by attending feast days, by attending the temple and worshipping God, the promise is that the life of your household will grow and flourish. And the same is just as true for us today. If you attend to your spiritual life, if you follow God, if you do what it takes to attend and worship, if you set the example and live the life of one who is humble before God, then your wife, your husband, your partner, your children, and probably even your pets will flourish together as you seek to serve them with the love of God. That is a common thread throughout all of Scripture. Your relationships improve as you learn to humble yourself before God and serve one another in love. And then verse 5, May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And may you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. It's interesting, isn't it? I just give a quick comment about verse 6 there. It's clear, isn't it, that in the days of when this was written, a few centuries before Jesus was born, people didn't live that long. You know, to be able to see your grandchildren was a blessing. Beyond, do you know what I mean? These days, grandparents rule the world, don't they? Grandparents look after children while parents go to work and, and all these sorts of things. I, I, I don't know how they did it, but I, I am very grateful for my parents and in-laws' support for all the, all the things that they've done for us and do for us in, uh, in things like that. But uh, just side comment. But my, my prayer is for you. May you live to see your children's children. And if you've already seen them, maybe your children's children's children. We'll just see how that goes. But let me, look, let me go back to verse 5. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. What does that mean? How do we understand it? So for the people trudging up the hill, that was, it's fairly simple, right? They believed they were truly getting closer to the very presence of God. The temple was constructed in layers, like a cake or like an onion, depending on your preferred metaphor. Shrek fans? No? I've got a picture of it. Did I put that in? Okay. So you can see here, there is an outer courtyard, an inner courtyard, an inner inner courtyard, 
and the building inside which is the holy place, and then at the back of that building is a curtained-off area, the Holy of Holies, the place where only the high priest goes once a year. And even then, he was so afraid of going in there that he would tie a rope to himself, and all the other priests would be out there holding the rope in case something went wrong. He had a heart attack, or God smote him, or whatever. They could pull him out, and they wouldn't have to go in there. Isn't that incredible? So this is the holy of holy places and it was separated off from the rest of that, that building and therefore the rest of the world by a really heavy giant curtain, which they say is around about a foot thick. That's a pretty hectic curtain, right? It's a pretty heavy curtain. Now they believed that this holy of holy places, this inner, inner, inner sanctum was a place where God's presence actually was. This was where God was. In that room, there was a whole bunch of stuff, but mainly in the room was built to hold the Ark of the Covenant. The box, the golden box that contained in it the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments on them. Do you remember those? Yeah. And on top of that was a little kind of seat. And on that chair, that seat was known as the mercy seat. And it was just above that space right there, where they believed God lived. So, for the Israelites, walking up that hill, the Jews walking to the temple, they believed they were coming closer and closer to the presence of God. And because Jerusalem was the holy city, the place in which the temple lived, the place in which the Holy of Holies was situated, they believed Jerusalem was blessed and wealthy because of that, being close to the presence of God. So, they were encouraged just keep going. Just keep walking, just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you would eventually get to be close to the presence of God. And they believe that in, by being close to the presence of God, something, not quite magical, but something kind of would rub off on them. And that blessing would be with them as they went back to their lives. And so they say, may the blessings of Jerusalem be with you all the days of your life. So, this psalm, let's just point this out for a second. This psalm was written centuries before Jesus was born. Written, written's probably a strong word, but you know what I mean, put down onto paper. One of the things we learn from Jesus is that the presence of God is not limited to a small room in the middle of a temple situated in Jerusalem that they only visited a few times a year and that we can't visit anymore because it was destroyed. When Jesus was crucified, that giant curtain known as the veil, that, that curtain that separated the holy space from the rest of the temple and the rest of the world was torn top to bottom, foot thick. Crazy, right? It's a symbol a symbolic statement that says the presence of God is not limited. It is not confined. It is not narrow. It is not restricted. God is freedom and everywhere. Jesus preempted this, didn't he? He says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, he says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So, the encouragement from these verses for you, for me, today, is this. 
Just keep going. Just keep walking towards Him. No matter the hills, no matter the distance, no matter the pain, no matter the rain, no matter the heat, no matter the consequences, no matter the circumstances, keep walking towards God. The Jews were walking towards Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. A time where they together would remember the saving presence of God in their lives. We don't spend, like them, we don't spend weeks walking and celebrating every year. But we do spend a few hours each week gathering together to remember and celebrate the presence of God in our lives at all times. We're going to sing a song in a moment, so this team might come back. We're going to sing that song, Here I Am to Worship. So this morning, I don't know the situations you face. I don't know whether you find yourselves in the highlands or the heartaches of life. But we are all here today to worship. We are here today to humble ourselves, to ask, ask for the presence of God, not, not to exist more in our lives, because that's not a possibility, but to ask that the presence of God become more apparent to us. May we see more clearly. May we know more concretely. May we have the presence of God more apparent to us. We're here to ask God for guidance, for direction, and for strength. In the, in the Holy of Holies, as I said, there was on top of the Ark of the Covenant, there, were these, there was a, a, a platform, a chair, a, a seat called the Mercy Seat. And in the Salvation Army, we have um, these wooden benches, which are also called the Mercy Seats for that reason. Because we believe that if you step out of your comfort zone, and if you would like to this morning, you can do this. You can step out of your comfort zone and come and kneel here. And, and it's not that we believe that God's presence lives here, but we know from century and a half of experience, from hundreds of thousands of people kneeling at places just like this, that when people step out of their comfort zones and they kneel before God in a place like this, the presence of God somehow becomes more real to them. I don't know what you're facing in life. I don't know whether for you, you can't see anything more in front of you than an uphill battle. I don't know if there are elements in your life that just feel like you're being rained on all the time. I don't know if you're struggling with anything like that. I don't know if you've got a friend who's struggling well, today I want to offer you the opportunity as we sing, Here I Am to Worship, to come to, to kneel at these places of prayer, to ask for God's presence, to ask for God's guidance, to ask for God's strength, that we might just keep going.